views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Welcome to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. OMG. This, I've been so looking forward to this show. Mr. Benny, how the heck are you today? I'd be pretty good. Yeah. You know what? We got copies of this book to give away today. I love this book. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But this book, right? Uh, let me just tell you, you know, what we're talking about. We're talking about how we interact with our minds. Let me just say that. You know, what I mean by that is every day we get thousands and thousands of thoughts. And here we are and we're thinking about, man, I don't even understand What's going on in my mind? What is my brain doing? You know, it doesn't really believe everything I say, everything I do. And if it does, then what am I putting in there? And today I am so thrilled to be introducing all of you to Stephen Campbell. He is an author. He is a speaker, a mentor. He is known as, are you ready? The Brain Whisperer. He teaches us how our mind can be our greatest adversary, and when we understand it, how it could be transformed into our greatest friend, ally, and I want to tell you, for me, my coach and mentor. And so, as the author of Making Your Mind Magnificent, and looking at what this means and having a life that where he gets out into the world and he teaches people the discoveries, I love this, of cognitive psychology. You're probably saying cognitive, what's that word? We're going to tell you what that means. You know, various universities, colleges, he's been out in the world doing this 25 years plus and understands what this means to really look at the mind as perhaps one of the most powerful, powerful relationships we can have. So today, can we rewire our brain for success? But I want to take this to another level with Stephen today. Can we rewire it to maybe even transcend disease diagnosis, 
histories of abuse. How about the rewiring that we do have a new narrative on what success is? Stephen, thank you. It's so great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so for, so much for having me. This is going to be, I love to use the word fun. This is going to be fun. It's going to be totally amazingly fun. educational, but it's going to be fun. Totally fun. I want to start, look, I want to start with this question. I just briefly, and I mean briefly, introduced you, your life, your passion, what you're about briefly, because there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Here's my question for you. You are amazing in the world. What are some of the challenges and obstacles that you, Steve Campbell, has had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Well, let me share with you a story that that illustrates everything. Um, For the first 42 years of my life, I just said to myself, I'm really stupid in math. And guess what? I was, (laughs) because that's what my brain said. The principle of my book and the principle of cognitive psychology is the brain believes everything we tell it. So when you say, I can't do this, the brain says, you're right. So when I said, I'm really dumb in math, the brain said, yeah, you really are. Why? Because the brain doesn't care whether what you're saying is true or not, which is amazing. So for 42 years, I said, I'm really dumb in math, and I was. But I became a computer geek. I was one of the first computer geeks. I Back in the 70s, I loved computers, and I would put them together and all this sort of stuff. So I got a graduate degree in computer science and began teaching computer courses. So one day the dean came to my office. He said, one of our math professors just quit, so you're a new math professor. <laughs> um, I can't do them. Do you want a job? Learn. There's the book. And I said, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. So I ran down to the library. This is way before the Internet. This is back in the 1980s. And I, and I began picking all the books that up on brain-based learning, which is what I teach now. And so I, I taught my math courses based on how the brain learns. And students began saying, oh. You're such a good math teacher. <laughs> and then the dean came back and said, you know what? You're causing a problem here, Steve, because all the students saying, I will only take math if Mr. Campbell is my professor. <sighs> and, Pat, here's what I began doing. Hang tell on me. to your seat. Tell me. Tell me. I, I can't wait. I began changing the message that I was giving to myself. I began changing my self-talk. And I began saying, wait a minute. If I'm so smart with computers, i got to be smart with math. And do you know what my brain said? My brain said, okay, and then it rewired itself over time, because that's what the brain does. It's called neuroplasticity, and I got really smart in math, and I ended up writing two college textbooks on what do you think? (laughs) Math. Was it magic? No. Here's the message. Now, this is from Dr. Albert Ellis, one of the founders of cognitive psychology. He wrote a little book called The Guide to Rational Living back in 1961. And if you read it, I'm sure many times what he proposed, and this is way before there's a lot of research. So since then, there's been decades of research. So we know this is true. Everything that we can do today, and this is so exciting, everything we can do today is primarily based on what we say to ourselves about ourselves today. Now, when he suggested this, psychology had a conniption fit. They said, no, no, no. The way you are today is because of your childhood. An unresolved childhood conflict. That was Freudianism. That was followed by behaviorism. Uh, At Harvard University, that was Dr. B.F. Skinner. That was followed by Noah's on your genes. That didn't last long. That was followed by environmentalism. It's in your environment, your birth order, your mom, your dad. And Dr. Ellis came back and he said something really interesting. He said, you know what? 
I think they're all true. Wait a minute. How could they all be true? Because when you say it, your brain makes it true. Let me tell you a story that, that illustrates it. I ended up yeah, teaching, tell me because math. we got it. We got to tell people stories about this because see, you and I, Stephen, we have had similar experiences, and you know we're going to talk about your book. But you see, these stories you're telling are how we take what some people believe a very complex conversation and say, "Listen, we can implement this stuff in our daily lives." Right? Please That's go right. on. That's right. I ended up teaching math at the University of San Francisco, and one day after the first day of class, a student came to my office. She was very, very, very shy, sat down, could hardly look at me. She said, well, Mr. Campbell, first of all, I'm so glad you're my math professor, but I am a C student in math. How do you know, Sue? Because I've never gotten above a C in math. I said, well, I used to be that way, so let's work together. So I got her a tutor, and I worked with her. She got an A in the first midterm. I gave her the test, and she freaked out, Pat. Mm. She said, Oh, my gosh. And then she said, I'll never forget this. She said, oh, Mr. Campbell, this is a mistake. I said, what do you mean? She said, I've never gotten above a C in a math test. You must have made a mistake. I said, no, Sue, this is a genuine A. So then she looked at it longer, and then a big, huge smile creased over her face. She looked up at me. I'll never forget this. She said, Mr. Campbell, do you know what this means? And I'm a consummate teacher, so I sat down next to her and said, of course I do, so, but you tell me, what does this mean? This means that when I flunk my next test, I can still maintain my C. Wow. I said, Sue, just get an A in every test. She said, oh, I can't. Why? Because I'm a C student. And Pat, that's exactly what happened. She flunked the next test. She got a C in the course. So Mm. I sat down with her. I said, Sue, answer me this. What would have happened if you had flunked this first test? Do you know what she said without what? a moment's hesitation? She said, easy. I would have stood like crazy to get an A on the next test. I'd have to to make my C. Mm. I said, Sue, just get an A in every test. She said, I can't. Mm. Why? Because I'm a C student. I'm too mm. old. I'm stuck. Mm. I've always mm-hmm. been this way. This is always the way it's been. I can't get a better grade. I can't make more money. I can't lose that weight. I can't gain that weight. Why? Because that's what you're saying. However, when you switch that message, what will your brain say? Okay. Is it true? Don't care. But here's the exciting part. When you switch the message and lock on to the new message you are giving to you. And that doesn't mean repeating them over and over and over. It's meaning, I'll give you an illustration in a second. It means locking on to the new message. You know what your brain does? Your brain literally, physiologically, rewires itself. Mm. So that those new messages become, at first, a part of the way you think. And then they become a part of who you are. Mm. Wow. I know. Let me give you an illustration. Of how yeah, works. please. When I was a, when, when I was a little my boy, my dad taught me how to ride a bicycle. Took me out to this training to to a field and took the training was off. He said, "Now, son, before I give you a shove, you see that rock out there about fifty feet? Yes, daddy. Don't run into that rock. <laughs> so you already know what's going to happen because I can hear you laughing. I got I, I down know. on my bike. I do know. And and started heading like mad to really impress my dad. Of course, what happened? Bam! Right into the rock. Pat, that's the way our brain works. 
our brain locks on to what we lock onto. Mm. And you lock onto it over time, and the brain rewires itself so that what you are thinking becomes a part of who you are. Mm. And that's what's so exciting. People say, well, why didn't they teach this, you know, 40 years ago? Because we didn't know this 40 years ago. In 1969, there were 400 members of the International Society for Neuroscience. The latest membership now is 42,000. Right, right. Because we now have the technology to watch the brain work while it's working. And people say to me, they say, well, Steve, you know, I, I, I'm, you know I'm, I'm 95, I'm 65, I've always been this way, I can't really change, my brain can't. Let me share with you how much we can change. This is from Dr. V.S. Ramachandran's book, uh, Phantoms in the Brain, from UC San Diego. The number of patterns, and this is on page 8, the number of patterns which your brain can carry of the human mind exceeds, and this is this has been calculated by neuromathematicians, which I didn't know there was such a thing, but apparently there is. The number of patterns exceed the number of elementary particles in the universe. Mm. The primary element, and this is the basis of my seminars that I give, the primary element path that holds us back from anything, from learning and growing and changing, is what we say to ourselves. Mm. That's it. That's the primary path. Why is that so exciting? Because you can change what you are saying to yourself when? Right now. Yeah. And what will your brain say? Okay. Is it yeah. true? I don't even care. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I love about what we're talking about is we've had to come a long way to understand the power and the potentiality of this. You know, here's an interesting story. I'm the only one in my family to graduate high school, let alone go to college, right? Yeah, you know, okay. my direct family, right? I was one yeah. of the first to do that. Um, and, you know, but I never had, I didn't grow up with a family that said, oh, you can't do it. So that's kind oh, of the good. good news, right? That's the good news. Good. Okay. Right. But I didn't have a frame of reference for it. So I worked, I was homeless at 17 years old. Oh and I God. was very, I know, I was very fortunate to get a job at at the telephone company because okay. before being homeless, my mom, my stepmom said to me, honey, you got to go work for the phone company because they don't, they never fire people. Yeah. Right? yeah. That, you, that, that was it. Packard. Yes. Yeah. Go yep. work for them. Yeah. So I happened to go on the, I happened to go on the interview, didn't hear back. I was out 48 days in my, in my senior year of high school. I did graduate after going to summer school. Mm -hmm. But I, I did get this job at the phone company, and here's what happened. I got to deliver mail. That was my job. I delivered mail in Bell Labs. Now, that's not just a phone company. Wow, that was a long – that's Bell Labs. They started That's the Bell Labs, right? Yeah, they, were, they started the computers, yeah. They started – okay, so here is the gift. I'm delivering mail, and I could have delivered mail to all sorts of different departments. I yeah. happened to be able to deliver mail to Building 15. It required secret clearance to do that. Oh, Building oh 15. That's oh. kind of like Area 51, like, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. So I'm a, long story, I'm going to make it really short. I delivered mail 
to people like Arno Penzias, right? The mm -hmm. guy that discovered the Big Bang. But I didn't know that. I knew he brought in oh, bagels on Friday. God. Bagels on Friday. So here I am delivering mail. These people taught me how to play table tennis. So all I knew about what this was my association. You're going to love this. They had a PhD at the end of their names. And I delivered mail to people that I had so much fun with, people that were having fun, people that listened to frogs, you know, people that brought in bagels. Mm -hmm. You could hardly find their mailboxes. There were so many papers in the room. Oh, my gosh. I turned wow. to my best friend and I said, I'm going to get a Ph.D. one day. And she looked at me, and she's still my best friend, and said, mm -hmm. of course you will. And then I said, what exactly is a Ph.D.? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even know, but you locked onto it. I locked onto it. And she was my best friend and encouraged me. The question is, why did it take me from that point on, why did it take me decades to get it? And it's exactly what you said. I started to listen to the people that would look at me and say, honey, that thing is never going to happen, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what's so exciting about your brain mm. is that what other people, and you've already discovered this, Pat, what other people say to you, do not become a part of you until you agree with them. Mm. And you disagreed. You said, you know what? <laughs> I'm doing this. And your brain said, okay. You locked onto it. And then your brain found a way. Let me give you another story that just illustrates this so well. One of Please. my uh, One of my most favorite uh, people is Cliff Young. Mm -hmm. Cliff Young, you can look him up on Google. He's everywhere. The, the, the best website that talks about him is a, a farmer that changed the nation. In 1963, he entered the first Australian marathon, which went from Sydney to Melbourne, 885 kilometers, 545 miles. It was a five-day race. And 150 of the top runners in the world flew out to Australia for this race. They were professional marathon runners. And Cliff Young showed up, not with Nikes, but with Australian muck boots. As coach was his 89-year-old mother, he was completely toothless, and he was 63. And all the Reporters ganged up on Cliff. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? He said, well, I spent my life in the outback. I've got a 2,000-acre farm with 2,000 head of sheep. I mean, this is a five-day race. I've run sheep for three. So I thought this would really be fun. That's the word he used. Okay. Mm. So they run the race. And, Pat, you already know what happened. He, he, he not only won the race, but he beat them all. But listen yeah. to this. He beat them, all of them, by a day and a half. Wow. How did you do that? Well, when you run like this, a race like this, you run for 18 hours and you sleep for six. Mm. Pat, he didn't know that. Mm -hmm. He didn't know you're supposed to sleep. <laughs> so while all the others were sleeping, he just kept on running using what they now call the Cliff Young Shuffle. Mm. Now, that's really inspirational. And I tell my audiences, you know what? That's really inspirational. I am not here to inspire you. Because inspiration lasts for maybe three days. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to the old ways. I'm here to help you change the way you think. So mm -hmm. let's talk about what happened the next year. The next year, had the same race. Cliff Young showed up, 
couldn't finish it because he injured himself. Eight runners beat his record. And the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. And when their interviewers, when the reporters reviewed and talked to the runners, they said, what'd you do? What'd you do? They said, how'd you start? He said, we looked at Cliff Young. If Cliff Mm. Young can do it, I can do it. Wow. And what did their brain say? Okay. Was it true? Don't care. All I care is what you tell me. But when they locked onto it, their brain made it true. That's mm. what the brain does. Yeah, I love this. And you know, let's we're going to give away copies of Stephen's book. I want to talk about the book for a minute because okay. I said something to you before the show that, uh, in, and I want to repeat it. You know, this whole idea of cognitive psychology. That's the, let's just say it's the formal name for it if you're studying Mm -hmm. psychology. Mm -hmm. What we now know about cognitive psychology and the human potential arena is, uh, shall I say, let's start out with what the bleep do you know or the movie The Secret or whatever it is. But here's what we now know about it. Everything you've put in your book, if we can absorb the simple way that you've taken a very complex study group and you have put this in the hands of us, we not only can rewire our brain, but we can change our lives. You know, change your thinking, change your life, yeah. But what Mm -hmm. you've done is you're showing us how to do it. And I want Mm. to ask you about this. Um, What is it? that you learned along the way to writing this book. I know you must have aha moments. I know it. Oh, yes. Um, I had a number of them, but I started when I became a professor in math. Yeah. And uh, eventually I discovered that um, I love the brain. I love studying the brain because I use brain psychology to teach my math courses. And so the dean came to me. He said, I want you to teach our beginning students how to think, how to, you know, take tests and how to process information and how to study and that sort of thing. So I took what I've learned about the brain over 20 years, and I put them into this particular course called Career Transitions. And the president noticed that when students took my course in their first semester, they wouldn't drop out. So he made this directive, everyone takes Mr. Campbell's career transitions course their first semester. And during the years that I taught the course, both morning and evening, the retention was like 93%, which is outlandishly mm. high. Um, the problem was I was teaching and running the evening school as a dean, and so I was gone. And Mary sat me down back in 2008. She said, okay, honey, your dad died at 61, and you're 62, working 14 hours a day. If you die early, I will kill you. So I said, okay, so I retired back in 2008, but this information is so wonderful that I went to the nearest senior center and I said, what would you think if I taught it here? And uh, it's really an eight-week course, an eight-hour course that I teach. And and uh, she said, sure, we can't pay you. And I said, that's not mm-hmm. here nor there. I just want to give this information out. So it was going to be a, she, let's just do it for three days instead, three weeks instead of eight weeks. And I said, that's fine. So I did it for... Um, Three weeks, and and all the students, uh, they um, courted her in her office after mm-hmm. the second week, and they said, you can't let them finish next week. 
he got to talk him into doing all eight. Wow. And so I did all eight. Then all the other seven seniors in, in Sonoma County called, and they said, bring it here. Then people began saying, where's your book, where's your book, where's your book? Oh. What book? Don't you have a book? No, I don't. Mm. Well, I've written a college textbook. No, 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 no. <laughs> you give us so much wonderful stuff, but we need to think about it, and we need to have you write it in exactly the same way you teach it. Don't make mm. it academic. So it's a sixth-grade lexicon book. It's sixth-grade level. And when I wrote the book, it came out, and I had been speaking for free at the Runner Park Senior Center, mm-hmm. and they said it was a little group called Tops, Taking Off Pounds Sensibly. It's like a global group for losing weight. Yeah. And um, they said, you should speak at our convention in San Ramon. You, we, we would love to have you speak. And so uh, I talked to some people, and they said, yes, would you come and do a a breakout session in San Ramon. I said, sure. So people said, where's your book? Where's your book? So I, we, we took out a second our mortgage and I wrote the book and it took me a very short time because I've been teaching it for so many years. It was a matter of simply typing it up and, and putting it together. So the book arrived on some pallets on a Saturday and we took those books and drove over to San Ramon about 30 minutes, about 60 minutes away to do this convention. I thought it was going to be a breakout session. Mm-hmm. So I walked in, found the director. I said, where do I set up? And she said, no, 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 you're the keynote speaker. You're speaking in front of 600 people, which which is fine because that's what I used to do. So we put some books on a table, and we um, I began speaking. Mary, Mary, and I, Mary was outside knitting because we had no idea what would happen. And as soon as I began speaking, people began leaving the room. They would get up and leave the room and grow in lines to get out of the room, which I thought was really weird. They were getting out of the room to buy a book because they were saying it's going to be sold out before it speaks. <laughs> and within five minutes while I was still speaking, we had sold hundreds of books. And after I was done, we had sold thousands. And Mary and I drove over to the pizza factory in San Ramon. She said, I know what I'm going to do now, honey. I'm going to retire because she was an elementary school principal and I'm going to sell books, which is what she does now. She travels with me to sell books. Wow. The book came out of the love for what we're learning about the brain and how people can change what they're saying to themselves and their brain agrees with it. And people don't realize that. That people say, well, I'm stuck this way and this is the way it is. Here's what I tell people, and I'll just tell you, Pat, because this is so exciting. When did your old life end? Your old life ended about one second ago. (sighs) Done. Okay? Done. Which means your new life began one second ago. Mm. Now do the math. If you've got 60 seconds per minute, 60 minutes per hour, 24 hours per day, that means that in one 24-hour period, you have 86,400 new opportunities for a new life every single day. All we have to do is take them. Mm. And what's so wonderful about the brain is when you do, the brain says, ooh, this looks fun. Here's another principle that's really helpful for people to understand. The brain doesn't like change. The brain doesn't want you to change. The brain doesn't want you to lose that weight or make that money because it's different. The brain doesn't like things that are different because it's scary. It's risky. What if it doesn't work? So the brain doesn't like to change, but you know what it does love? It loves to create. It creates new things. So, self-images. 
it turns out I'm a first-year baby boomer, and I was yeah. raised with you have a self-image, and that's only yep. partially true. It turns out that we have thousands, millions of self-images. You have a self-image for every single thing that you do, for how you see yourself as a, as a, as a mother, as a father, as a grandmother, as a cook. You have self-image for every meal that you cook. Exactly. Like really good scrambled eggs and really yeah. horrible poached eggs. Yeah. But here's the point. Our self-images are learned. You're not, you were not born with them. You were born with certain natural dispositions, but they're learned, and this is what's so exciting. Do you know how they're learned? They're based on your self-talk. Yeah. Your self-images are based on what you are saying to yourself about yep. yourself today. That's why they call this cognitive psychology. It all starts with how you think, even your feelings, which we'll talk about in a second. It starts with how you think. So you have all these self-images. Number one, you can't get rid of them. They're hardwired into your brain unless you're willing to have a lobotomy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can't get rid of your old self-images. And some old self-images, you wish you could, but you can't. They're hardwired. Number two, they're very hard to change because they're based on your self-talk. And studies show that most of what we say to ourselves, the percentages are different, but I just say more than 50%. More yeah. than 50% of what we say to ourselves is negative stuff. So you can't get rid of them. They're really hard to change. So what I show people how to do is just create brand new ones. Mm. How do you well, do that? Well, let's By hold that thought for a minute. Your talk. Let's hold that thought for a minute because this is a big topic. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I've got copies of this incredible book to give away. And also, I want to make sure that you all have information about how to find out more about Stephen uh, and get a copy of the book for yourself. But when we come back, you know, what is it about self-talk? Why is it we've heard so often that self-talk can literally manifest that thing we're saying. And even though we know it, what is it about ourselves that still resists positive self-talk? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Chris Stainis is a spiritual leader and healer and teaches a course on how you can transform your life through a meditation and healing system that will manifest your spirit's dreams. She manifested the Women of Wisdom Conference, the Women of Wisdom book, and this radio show. And she can show you how to change your life, too. Are you ready? Visit the website and contact her at VoicesOfWomenToday.com. That's VoicesOfWomenToday.com. Wow. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Uh, Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm telling you, I got to pinch myself some days because when each of us gets called to do something that we so not thought was in our wheelhouse to do for a purpose that's so much greater than us, we get to show up and shine. If you would like to show up and shine on the Dr. Pat Show as a co-host or sponsor, send us an email to inspire at thedrpatshow.com. 
Brand consultant Jen Morgan is here with Radically Distinct Radio to help you take control of your future and maximize your brand's power to produce results. Whether you're an individual trying to reinvent yourself and launch a new venture, or you're an executive trying to reposition your company to modernize your sales and marketing programs, Jen Morgan and the Rad Method empower you to play to your strengths and show up in the world as your most powerful brand. To learn more, go to jenmorgan.com. That's Jen with two N's, morgan.com, or call 206 the earth is an ever-changing being goddess light shamanic healer brie gibbs guides us through the ascending worlds bringing forth knowledge and truth as a light creator she is here to provide new information needed at this time in our evolution join brie as she shares messages from guides spirits ascended masters goddesses and others Tune in the second and fourth Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific, and Thursdays, 1 p.m. Pacific, for Silver Gaia Radio. Have you wanted to make more money without working harder or more? Maybe you've tried new ways to bring in extra income without success. Hi, my name is Deb Acker, and in addition to being the host of Truth Talk Radio, I'm an intuitive life coach and energy healer. I clear energy blocks to all areas of life, including abundance. Did you know many times we have an invisible income ceiling? So no matter what we do, our income never goes up, or if our income does go up, we experience an unexpected expense that negates this. How much would it be worth to significantly increase your income or even have unexpected income show up? When I was in the corporate world, I used these techniques to increase my income by tens of thousands of dollars without changing my work routine. In fact, I worked even less, and I now help clients do the same. If this resonates for you and you're truly ready for abundance in your life, I'd love to gift you with my pattern identification session. Simply contact me on the contact page of my website, deborahacker.com. That's D-E-B-O-R-A-H-A-C-K-E-R.com. And let me know you heard about this gift through Transformation Talk Radio. I look forward to connecting soon. Just admit it. See, I gave you faith, turned your doubt into hope can't deny it. Now I'm all alone and my joys turn them open. Tell me, where are you now that I need you? Where are you now? Where are you now that I need you? Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's uh, so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. You are the best listeners on the planet. Thank you for Mm -hmm. being that. Thank you for supporting the show. I want you to meet Steve uh, up close and personal, um, find out more about himself, his radio show, some of the workshops he's doing, how to get your own copy of the book. Um, also, if you want to connect and follow you know, what he's doing and how he's doing it and some of the services he provides, it's really easy. You can go to his website, stephenrcampbell.com. And check it out. You could also Google Making Your Mind Magnificent and you will see the book. Um, right now, Benny, I want to start giving away copies of the book. And also, you know, Stephen, you've also said you would like to give away some uh, CDs to our listeners and, and get things going. So let's go open up the phone lines for all of you to participate. We'll try to give away as, as many items as we can, uh, but we'll take one caller at a time. 1-800-930-2819. That's our toll-free number here. 1-800-930-2819. Let's get uh, Benny busy. Um, you know, Steve, listen, uh, there are so many things in the book I could talk about, but mm-hmm. I was really struck by 
you know, the brain principles you outlined. And one of them in particular we started to talk about, which is how our self-talk builds our beliefs and what do those beliefs control, even our feelings. Mm -hmm. And I was saying to you that even though we know this, we talk about money sometimes and our finances sometimes and as if they were our enemy. I believe it's one of the greatest body of negative Mm self-talk that we have in our society. But I want to hear from you on that. (laughs) Well, money, first of all, is very, very, very personal. We We judge each other based on how what we look like, the quality of our clothes, the size of our car, the house we have. So money is very, very personal. Um, some people have a lot of it. Some people don't have very much. And so we internalize our feelings about the money. Let's, let's, before we get into that, let me share with you some principles sure. about feelings, and then we'll go back to money. Sweet. This is, again, from Dr. Albert Ellis's book. Um, our feelings, it turns out, do not come from how we were raised. They don't come from events in our lives. They don't come from what we've done. They don't even come from money. You know what they come from, Pat? They come from our beliefs about how we were raised Mm. and our beliefs about what we've done and our beliefs about money and our beliefs about our past. That's so exciting because you can change those beliefs. Feelings are very, very, very hard to change because they're messy. They're, why am I feeling this way? I shouldn't be feeling this way. I wish I didn't feel this way. They're really, really hard to change. But I tell my people, remember this, that those feelings are not coming in willy-nilly. They're coming from your beliefs. They're coming from what you are saying to yourself about yourself about your situation, about your past, about your your childhood, about your money. What's so nice about that path is that you can't directly change what you're feeling, but you can change your beliefs and the feelings follow. So when 9-11 happened and the world watched the towers fall, mm-hmm. we all had feelings immediately of anger and sorrow and all these really bad feelings. But over time, our feelings change, and every single person in the world, they change. Why? Because their beliefs change. And now I feel something different from 9-11 than you do. Why? Because 9-11 hasn't changed, but your feelings have. Let me give you another illustration that really says it so well, and then we'll get back into money. Let's imagine, Pat, that you and I have been dear friends for years, and I show up at your front door on a Saturday morning with a shovel. I say, mm-hmm. hi, Pat. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good to see you. I want to dig a hole in your backyard. You say, well, that's weird, but okay. So I go to your backyard. I start digging a hole. And you're watching me dig the hole, and you begin developing some beliefs. Let me see. Steve and I have known each other for years. Our kids have played together. He knows it's my birthday today. He also knows I love trees. Oh, that's what he's doing. He's in my backyard, digging a hole in my backyard to plant a tree for my birthday. (laughs) Steve, you're so sweet. I love you. Thank you so much. Bring Mary over. We'll have pizza and we'll watch a movie tonight. You're just the (laughs) neatest guy. That's one scenario. Another scenario, we hate each other. Mm. Hate 
each other. And mm-hmm. I show up at your front porch and start to with a shovel. I say, hi, Pat, I'm going to dig a hole in your backyard. So I go to the backyard, start digging the hole. You watch me dig the hole. This time, Pat, your beliefs are completely different. Mm. This time, your beliefs are, I'm digging the hole to bury you in it. Yes. Now, what's the difference? Watch this. Same shovel, same Pat, same Steve, same Saturday morning, same backyard, same hole. Completely different beliefs, completely different feelings. You have met people who were raised in situations that were horrendous, Mm -hmm. and yet look at what they've done with their lives. Yeah. I mean, you were homeless. Yeah. And look what you did with your life. You have also met people who have been raised in situations to die for. They had all the money they ever needed, and yet some of them wished they could. What was the difference? Not the money, not how they were raised, what, they, what the difference was, what they're believing about how they were raised, and the feelings follow. So why is this so exciting? People say to me, I'm stuck with this feeling. There's nothing I can do about it. And when you say that, what does the brain say? Okay, you're right. You're <laughs> stuck. Is it true? Don't care. But you keep saying it. My job is to make it true through neuroplasticity. But I tell people, you know why you're stuck? Because that's what you're saying. You can change that message, lock on to it, make it the stronger message, which my book tells you how to do, mm-hmm. and the feelings follow. Does it happen overnight? Of course it doesn't. Mm. Our feelings are messy. They're inconvenient. They're crazy. We don't understand them. We wish we didn't feel these things and those things and these things. But what's so wonderful is that we don't need to be the victim because now we have a handle on how to change them. How do you change them? Don't worry about the feelings. Look at the beliefs. Track the beliefs. Why are you feeling this way? Change the beliefs. And over time, the feelings follow. But when you say, well, this is the way it is, I'll always be a victim, you know what your brain says? Okay, you're right. I'll make sure you are. Yeah. But when you say, you know what? I'm not going to believe that anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know what your brain says to that? Okay. That's why the original title for my book was Making Your Mind Your Mentor. Mm. They changed it, but I like my title better. I like your title, too. I mean, I I like your title, but I also like making your mind magnificent because the vibration of that is that for me and many people listening, who would not want a magnificent mind? But we think... It's the Einsteins of a world that have a magnificent mind. Mm -hmm. And the belief is, can I truly have it? What your book does, and my gosh, we've already given five copies of the book away. What your book does is helps us understand that we do not have to be one of the people that we perhaps admire in the world. Mm 
And I want to ask you this question. I know we have a short time left in the show. Mm -hmm. I want to talk with you about subconscious because I Uh think that this is one of the most underrated next to Meryl Streep, of course, but one of the most (laughs) uh, uh, underrated uh, uh, topics that we have and we make it very complicated. But the Mm. way you handle this in the book, I think is brilliant. What role does our subconscious play and how do we move beyond the belief that we actually do not have control of that part of who we are? Okay, let's go back to self-images. Our self-images are in our self-conscious. Mm-hmm. If I have a self-image of being shy at parties, I don't have to remember to act shy. Mm-hmm. I'm naturally shy. So, so in fact, most of the what's going on is in the subconscious, okay? Our self-images are in our subconscious. So, basically, um, there's, a, there's a third element. You've got the conscious and the subconscious. Then you have what's called the creative subconscious. And here's another really important principle that my book goes into. And this is so exciting. I just get, I mean, I'm jumping off and down in my room here. What the creative subconscious does, it has to do with the amygdala and the hippocampus and some other things. We won't go into physiology of it. But basically what the subconscious, the the creative subconscious does is it makes sure, ready, that what you're doing lines up with your self-images. Get that? What you're doing lines up with your self-images. So Susie, who was convinced that she was a C student in math, Mm-hmm. She made sure she was a C student because that's what she said. That's what she believed. That's all in the subconscious, okay? What's so exciting, however, is that if, in this case, sadly, Susie didn't, but if Susie decided, I am changing my, my self-talk in terms of math, and I'm locking on to being very, very smart. Mm. Now, the brain's not stupid, and the brain, as I said a few minutes ago, doesn't like change. Mm-hmm. So the brain's going to fight Susie's tooth and nail because uh-huh. she has a pattern that she's had her entire life of being stupid in math. Mm. But it was my pattern of being being really, really heavy. And well, let me tell you a story in that it, it sure. illustrates the whole point. When my father died, he was very he was very um, young, and Mary said yeah. to me, "If you die early again." I'll kill you. I was about 40 pounds more than I weigh now. I was about 240. And Mary mm-hmm. said, you got to lose this weight. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll lose this weight. So I'd swim and run, and I would lose maybe two or three pounds a week. You know, back on the weekend. I did that right. for 25 years. Here's the reason I could not lose the weight. Here's where our subconscious comes in. I would give myself a pep talk, Pat, and I would say, you are a 240-pound man who's got to lose 40 pounds. You mm-hmm. know what my brain said? My brain said, oh, okay. Yes, you are, but my job is to keep you at 240 pounds because that's how you see yourself. Mm. That's what the subconscious does. That's what the creative subconscious does is it makes sure that what I say to myself lines up with who I am. After 25 years, I said, this isn't working. So I began studying all this stuff, and I switched what I was saying. They call this an affirmation, which is also on my book. So I created an affirmation, which isn't magical. It's simply a statement. It's something like, I can't remember because it's such a long time ago. You look so great because you're so thin because of the way you exercise, and you look fantastic. When I first said that, Pat, my brain freaked out. It said, hello, look at the scale. Look at the mirror. Yeah. You're crazy. 
You're yeah. 240 pounds. You've been 240 pounds for 20 years. You'll always be this way. Give up. Because now you're talking change. I don't want you to change. And I said, no, brain. After 25 years, I'm locking on to being 200 pounds. And then the brain said, well, now we've got a problem. Now we're getting to what is called gestalt psychology. The brain mm-hmm. hates gaps. <laughs> and so now we've got a gap between what you're saying and how much you weigh by about 40 pounds, okay? The first thing the brain wants to do is give up. And I said, no, I've been doing that for 25 years. No, I'm locking on to being 200 pounds. And so every single time I sat down for a meal, I visualized a 200-pound person. I had a choice. Again, cognitive psychology, we have a choice. What am I locking on to, the guy that's 240 or the guy that's 200? Even though at that point there wasn't a 200-pound person, but there was in my mind, and our mind believes what we tell it. Yeah. And when we lock on to that, the brain rewires itself so that now my mind had the mindset of a 200-pound person, even though I was 240. And over a year's period of time, I lost the 40 pounds. Here's the point. Most of our goals say, I will do this, I will do that. That's what I said to myself. I'll lose this money and I will do that. I will lose this. Here's the problem with that. When you say that, your brain says, good luck. Yeah. Hope you do. Sounds wonderful. I'm going to go take a nap. Because number one, I have no con- I have no control on what's going to happen in the future. Number two, I am so busy dealing with the present that I don't worry about the future. And so you put all your goals in the future, which most of us do, and the brain doesn't do a thing. However, when you say, I'm already there, I'm making that money, I repaired that relationship, I'm drug-free, I'm Mm -hmm. alcohol-free, I'm 200 Mm -hmm. pounds. The brain, first of all, says, no, no, no. But when it sees that you're really locked onto that, then the brain says, well, now we've got a gap. we got to close the gap, and I'm there for you. Mm-hmm. I'm your mentor. We'll do this together. Wow. Yeah. You know, this is really for those tuning in. If you're just tuning in, I just want to make sure you know um, that, you know, Stephen Campbell is my very special guest today, Making Your Mind Magnificent. Before we run out of time here in this show, please tell folks how they can tune into your radio show as well. My radio show is on KOWS from 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock every Wednesday. The name of the program is Making Your Mind Magnificent. And I have very, very mellow music, Joan Baez, John Denver, uh-huh. uh, Carly Simon, really mellow music. I don't. And then in between, we talk about a certain subject, like tomorrow we're going to talk about your self-images and where those come from. The, the signal, unfortunately, is in Occidental. It's so weak that it doesn't go beyond Occidental. So just go to kows.fm, and you can listen to me there. Awesome. You know, one of the things that I, I, I have discovered along the way is um, a statement that I want to ask you about, which in the world of psychology, certainly when I was studying, um, you know, this idea of fake it till you make it. First mm-hmm. of all, the statement fake it till you make it doesn't even make sense in the context no, of what you and I are talking about. Yeah. But that is Brain's the term. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. What can we say? Uh, you know, I made a statement the other day and someone called me and asked me about it. I said that we are on the edge of launching when our technology is finished, the uh -huh. largest positive talk network in the world. And someone called me the other day and said, can you tell me uh, what that is? You know, what is it you're doing? And I went on, I don't want to take a lot of time in the show to explain it, but sure. what I went on to explain to them is that when we designed this two years ago, we designed it with the ability to create individual channels for all things that help people um, excel in who they want to become. So we wow. have a God talk channel. We have a psychic talk channel. We have a green talk channel. We mm -hmm. have a women's channel. We, you know, and, and the technology has the ability to turn a switch and turn them all on at one time. And if you said to Gosh. me, I want a mind channel and I want to invite 100 people, in 18 hours, we'd have it up for you. And they said to me, how do you know it is the largest, how do you know it will be the largest positive talk channel? Now, here's what I know. I know that I've done the research and I know it is, but, but the, by the question that was asked, I started to doubt myself. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you, what can we do so that we don't enter into the world of doubt, which then would enter us into perhaps the world of negative thinking? And you've got, first of you've all, got a minute to answer that question. Okay. <laughs> first of all, realize that, that it is true that you don't know positively, statistically, that it's going to be the largest, but right. that's what you're locking on to, and that's the most important part. You're locking on to that. You're making that the stronger picture, and your brain and the brain of your colleagues and the brain of all the people in your channels, which, by the way, I'd love to be part of that, is going to find a way for it to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It finds a way. That's his job. The brain will not let you be unlike what you're saying. You, and that's why you have these tremendous people with tremendous visions, i.e. Steve Jobs and, and Bill Gates and other people. They had visions that nobody else had. The other people had the technology and the experience and the, and the knowledge, but they had visions that's what you are. You've got the vision, and you're a visionary, and your brain said, okay, I'll figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. And you know what's fascinating about this? I handed it off to uh, Jessica and the team, and they came back because, you know, they are ra rational, logical, amazing people. Mm -hmm. And they came back and put the math behind it. There you go. They put the there math behind it. And when I saw the math, and the math is how many network, how many channels will each network reach, how many mm -hmm. uh, media outlets, when they put the math behind it, the number of impressions per show was a number that when I looked at it, I let it go because there was a part of me that said I didn't believe it. But the point yeah. that you bring up is more important than any of that. And that is we can literally create our dream in our minds and in our lives and, and bring it to reality. 
That's right, because what the brain's job is to make that dream true when you lock onto it. I the love it. The problem is that people don't lock onto it. They have other things that come up, and I yeah. show people how to do that. Well, I'm locked onto it, and I'll tell you, Stephen Campbell, everybody, make sure you go check out the, his book. Thank you, Benny, for all that you do. Uh, and if you've missed any part of this, this will replay tonight. And it will play on 90 other media outlets. We'll see you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.